I, you know, I will not forget this. When my neighbors came into my house the first time, they started to cry and they said, like, you can't, you cannot live here like this. This is the unseen story. First-hand accounts that reveal God's love and power in the lives of his children. What God has done for our storytellers, he lives to do for you. The Unseen Story is a nonprofit that relies on financial support from listeners like you. Please visit our website, theunseenstory.org, to find out how you can partner with us today. It's easy to judge. We do it all the time. Pretty, ugly, good, bad. Maddie was judged from the moment she was born. Thankfully, her neighbors loved instead of judged. Hear how God can move when we say yes in today's episode, Love Your Neighbor. Hi, um, I'm Maddie, and this is the story about how I got to know God. There are times when I look back in my life and I think, how did I get here? I am the quintessential underdog. You see, nobody in their right mind ever expected me to get this far. I was born at 28 weeks back in 1995, and I was absurdly small. I weighed less than two pounds. Doctors told my parents to prepare for my death, and then if I didn't die, I would likely be a vegetable. They said I would never walk, I would never talk, and I would never go to school. At one point, they said I would likely be blind by the age of 18 because of retinal detachment I had in both eyes. I was subsequently diagnosed with cerebral palsy. Um, Cerebral palsy is a movement disorder that is the result of damage to the upper motor cortex of my brain. In my case, cerebral palsy makes my muscles very tight, which means they're spastic and my balance is poor. It basically means that I struggle with anything that requires motor function. My mother struggles with mental illness and addiction issues and has for most of my life. And I don't exactly think having a child with a disability was ever on her radar. And I don't think that she knew how to handle it. One of the earliest memories of my mother was pointing to me and screaming, get this thing out of my house. The thing that she was referring to was me and I was swiftly kicked out of the house with the dog. Through these times, I think my grandmother was my rock. And I am so thankful to have had her in my life for the time that I did. She was very kind. And she was the first person to realize my potential when others thought I had none. Um, She would take me in her arms and she would laugh and say, you know, the one who fights for you, you are never alone. I would listen to this and think, who are you talking about? When she was dying of cancer in hospice, she pointed over to me in front of my mother and everyone else. And she said, she is going to surprise you. And then she was gone. Over the next several years, my life would be enveloped by chaos. I would watch addiction completely overtake my mother and extinguish all of her joy to make her into a shell of the person I once knew. She was completely in the grips of her addiction. I used to come home from school and checked to make sure she was still living. I felt like I was watching my mother slowly die and that my life was rapidly spinning out of control. My mother would go through weekly withdrawals where I would watch her pass out 
and have seizures on the floor. I would wonder if she was going to make it. Yet the words of my grandmother were still on my mind. One night when I was about 15, my mom was having a particularly bad night. And I started to talk to my grandma. I said, I know you asked if I knew the one who fights for me and said I was never alone. You know, I was I was thinking back, like, why did my grandma say that I, I wasn't alone? Because I feel like so incredibly <laughs> alone. Like, I, I feel like I could not be more <laughs> alone if I tried. That was when I just like started um, asking, asking my grandma, like, why, why do you say I'm not alone? Like, why am I not alone? Like, if I'm not alone, you know, prove, prove that I'm not alone. Um, and like, please help me because I, I don't know how much longer, like I can, I can do this. <laughs> and the week later, um, I met my neighbors. So with my neighbors, um, because our house had no running water, and I asked them, you know, like, can you fill this jug of water? And they were like, sure. So I, I did that for a couple of times. And so then they got, they got curious um, and started to get to know me more. And they were always really kind. They were like, would you, would you like some food? Like, would you like a sandwich? Is there like anything else that you need? And that's how I got to know them and sort of like form a relationship with them and and trust them really my mom like unfortunately like when she was intoxicated um was not the nicest person and sometimes when she was not intoxicated she was not the nicest person either so i experienced a lot of uh, physical and emotional abuse that can really work to like devalue uh, yourself when you have those experiences from someone who is, you know, supposed to love you. Um, they're supposed to be your mother and they're supposed to love you. And, and when they don't like that's, that's really damaging. Um, so I came to my neighbors with this, sense that like I didn't didn't really matter you know I don't think very many people know how to show love well and be like non-judgmental like my neighbors were able to come alongside me in the middle of my massive chaotic mess and say okay like we we're going to help you the best that we can and we're going to pray and intercede on your behalf and they just sort of welcomed me into their family and were like okay here's here's a room in our upstairs you know this is what we're doing this is what we do you're more than welcome to come um we we really love you and so um, here's all this stuff and like, here's what we can do. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything, you know, feel free. <laughs> um, so that's, that's what they did for me instead of like judge, judging me as a person and then giving me a, a big, uh, lecture. But 
your your understanding of love comes before obedience, right? So in order to like actually change, you need to be able to understand how much he loves you because that should be the motivator that makes you want to obey instead of trying to obey out of, you know, shame or fear of punishment. Um, and when I was growing up, we were told, like, don't let anybody in the house. You don't want, like, anybody to see any of this. Like, make sure no one knows. And so you're <laughs> sort of, like, living living in secret and just trying to keep to yourself. And, I, you know, I will not forget this. Like, when my neighbors came into my house the first time, they started started to cry and they said like you can't you cannot live here like this and I think that's when it hit me like uh the situation that I was living in was 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 bad I think part of also when you have an abusive childhood you start to think that like everybody um everybody is like that and so it's just just like very normalized to you it it becomes the the abuse that you experience and the trauma that you experience becomes very normalized to the point where you um don't even really think much of it because that's what you end up seeing every single day to have that out outside perspective and those fresh eyes on it was a little bit shocking to me and that I think first before trying to like explain Jesus to me my neighbors loved me so um sometimes you'll encounter like someone who doesn't believe in God and people will say like Jesus loves you and like yes that is true but how are you gonna get how are you gonna get to know Jesus if you don't know what love is it's somewhere in the Bible, but it's this kindness leads to repentance. And I think, I think that's really true. Um, so I think instead of having like some very well-prepared, well-thought-out theological argument for a lot of people, just trying to love them to the best of your ability is your testimony to them because they're, they're not going to like care what you say they're going to care like what you what you do and then they'll be interested in what you say i think there there's like a really big difference in how you act and what you place value in if you have the holy spirit and if you have christ in your life you know thinking thinking back on this i was intrigued because my neighbors were strange strangely happy and I remember like the same strange happiness like coming from my grandma that made me want to trust them at a time where I didn't really um, trust people or people's intentions so when I met my neighbors is when I you know was my first introduction to church really and my first introduction to the Bible I uh, started hearing like sermons about how like Jesus was was calling like the tax collectors and calling like prostitutes and calling like lepers and calling fishermen and 
and he just totally flipped like my ideas of what love was and what it meant to love someone like completely on its head and I also saw that like Jesus was like unconditional about love whereas like the world is is like love is conditional and performance-based and if you don't perform and if you don't have anything to give like people would have people have no reason to love you or be kind having an identity that says you're valuable like you're inherently valuable to me like you're valuable enough for me to like die it's like a lot different because you're not you're not like obeying or being loved out of your expectation to like perform because there's nothing that I can do to to like earn God's love he like already gave it to me and so <laughs> when when I thought about this as like a teenager I was Bored. But I think that should cause you like a sense of awe, like when you look at other people too, because he loved all the other people that you're looking at enough to die. I mean, you can look at someone, you can go, that is someone who Jesus was willing to die for. So I think that is like really, that was just like amazing to me. I don't know, it, it still is, like it still is like very awe-inspiring in my life. My neighbors said something, the effect of like, we all, we all have to look out for people. And I feel like our, our job right now is to look out for you. <laughs> and so like, that's what we're doing. <laughs> and I thank them for what they did because I, I don't know where I would be if it weren't for my neighbors. I, I seriously do not think I would have graduated high school or gone on to college. Another defining moment is because I used to go back and forth in between like my neighbor's house and uh, my mom's house to try to take care of my mom, you know, and like make sure she was okay. But she was screaming at me one time and like saying I was not her daughter. I was like, you're right. I'm I'm not your daughter. I'm I'm his. So I think I think knowing <laughs> I think knowing like who you who you belong to um and whose you are is is like really important too because that allowed me to have like a, a different perspective on you know my life and some of the things that have happened to me. Um, you can have a lot of things happen to you in life and you can suffer and you can can wonder like if, if God's still good. But, you know, one, one of the things about God is that he he uh, does not change. And so when you when you place your identity in something unchanging, um, it can be secure and it can shape how you view the world instead of letting the world shape how you view God. When I think about my past, sometimes I am I am sad and angry, but I think I'm also strong. Like I draw strength from being able to say, "I'm yours." Like I'm continually yours, and so being able to identify not as someone who is abused, but someone who is a loved and cherished daughter of the King <laughs> is awesome. 
um, it's amazing. It's it's been like a major source of strength for me in my life. I can say like th this is who I belong to. Like even even if you don't like me, even if you never never like me again, if you hate me, if you scream at me, you know, if you abuse me, I can remember that I'm not yours. I'm his. I am seen. I am known, and I am fully loved. Currently. I'm a 25-year-old graduate student, and I have far surpassed any expectations that anyone had for me. Be sure to ask Holy Spirit what He wants to say to you through this episode. If you like this story, we think you'll also like the following stories. Hallelujah, Hope's Family, The Gift of Trust. They'll be linked in the show notes below. We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share His stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website, at theunseenstory.org. Thanks so much for listening.